Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast today. We pay our respect to the elders of all of the lands on which we meet across Australia. Good afternoon. Welcome to Freedom of Species, the radio show that brings animal advocacy to the airwaves. Before us was Sally with Out of the Pan, and uh, she's on every week, every Sunday at 12pm. Make sure to keep listening to Out of the Pan. My name's Trevor, and I'm joined with by Carolyn. Hello. Yes, today we are also going to be joined by a special guest who I'll try and bring on just now. On the phone, we should have Christy. Are you there, Christy? Hello again. I think I'm here. Yes, I can hear you. Hello. 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 Awesome. So, um, yeah, first I just want to say I'd also like to acknowledge that we're broadcasting from the lands of the Wurundjeri people, the Kulin Nation, and to remember that they are the rightful owners of the land that's been stolen. They've never ceded sovereignty. And to really think about what that means with all aspects of what we do in our lives and politics. Christy, whereabouts are you calling in to us from? Um, so from about 40 k's out of Nipaluna, uh, you know, colonially known as Hobart, um, on um, the Miramina country. Um, and, you know, again, sovereignty was never ceded and this is stolen land. Mm. Yeah. 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 So we had Christy on a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And this is sort of a part two of our discussion because we realised it was such a big discussion. Mm. We uh, ran out, we're running out of time. Yeah. And um, we wanted to continue it fairly soon. So we've, we've um, thank you for joining us again, Christy, to continue that conversation. Thanks for having me back. And um, so for people who might not have heard the show a couple of weeks ago, Carolyn, did you want to give a bit of a recap yeah. of what we talked Absolutely. about? Absolutely. So our conversation, I think it was two weeks ago actually, was about total liberation and what that means as a political um, philosophy that I think really combines um, anarchism with a commitment to animal and earth liberation. Mm. So really looking at a holistic and intersectional approach aimed at using direct action to dismantle all forms of hierarchy and domination, um, which you know include things like pa- capitalism, patriarchy, racism, heterosexism, cissexism, ableism, ageism, speciesism, and ecological domination. So all of that was, you know, a big conversation um, for us. We also talked a lot about um, what it means to be a consistent ally um, and in the, uh, you know, the, the days following the um, Posey Parker uh, protests. But we sort of didn't have time because all of that was so much to discuss to think about how do we actually um, create common ground? How mm. do we look at... Um, issues of difference, potential misunderstandings or, you know, personality issues that have come up in the past with people, not 
suggesting that we give a free pass to bigots mm. at all. You know, I think we're all committed to, um, you know, consistent anti-oppression and we really want to see that um, as, as our, um, you know, sort of guiding philosophy. But how do we look at ways, constructive and practical ways, that we can, you know, move forward? Mm. That's what we want to talk about today. In less than an hour. <laughs> okay, so we're solving the no pressure. Problems. Less than 60 minutes, starting now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I guess I wanted to just add quickly, I guess, um, for people who might not have talked or read about this sort of topic much before, or if it didn't really ring true or ring sort of as a, a common thing that you've heard before and you're listening to this show, a, a real life sort of example or, or of what, what we're talking about is how much of what might be differences in people who are involved in activism um, and advocacy is about personal differences, how much is it about people um, being like a, a common term is being offended are they being offended for the right reasons or for the wrong reasons or I don't really like that term being offended I think it's about is someone saying something that is um, you know based in injustice yeah and are they supporting yeah. some form of injustice whether that's something racist or sexist or whatever it might be yeah. um, or is it just a, a clash of personality like you said Carolyn um, or a difference of opinion on something that isn't really a justice issue it's just a, a you know well, a, a, a person misunderstanding, yeah, misunderstanding or something yeah so um that's sort of if that i hope that makes a little bit more sense to some people who might not have been too involved in these sort of discussions before because it even though it sounds and it can get very i guess academic um mm. and there is a lot of people that are doing work in this area mm. it affects all of us in what we do every there, there's no way to avoid these issues that we're talking about yeah um people do avoid it but that causes problems so yeah, yeah. we we're trying to i guess get the, the message across that everyone needs to consider these things because if you think it's an issue or you don't it is happening behind the scenes in everything that we do in all of our activism in all of our daily lives in our workspaces in our families Everything is about recognizing if people are perpetuating systems of oppression or yeah. or types of injustice in in the world, or yeah. is working to dismantle that, or to at least not be part of the problem and to be trying to be part of a solution. And I guess that's yeah. what we're trying to do: is talk about how do we recognize when you need to look at that, and then how do you be part of the solution instead of part yeah. of the problem. Amazing. I mean, exactly, and I think a lot of the people, because like, a lot of this stuff is, you know, generated online. You know, mm. someone leaves a comment somewhere, someone likes something that was posted somewhere, and so it gets generated in this very, um, well, let's face it, social media is generally a, a right-wing space when you look at the people mm -hmm. who are actually mm. controlling yeah. and managing social media and, and profiting from it is a right-wing space. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the people who are, you know, talking about injustices that they feel have been perpetrated against them They've got no concept of leftist politics or mm. leftist communications. And I think, you know, there was a lunch that was had uh, last week whilst I was in Melbourne with a bunch of leftists. And it got loud and it got heated and <laughs> we were debating. And to anybody on the outside, that would have seemed like massive, massive conflict. But it's actually just how things progress. We, we put things on the table and we, we get into situations of, yes, conflict and criticism. And from the outside, it seems, you know, really, really, really full on. But it's actually just how leftist spaces operate. Yeah. So that's, yeah. you try to do that in a right-wing space, like social media, you try to have those conversations, the call-ins, the call-outs, the criticisms, the conflict, it just becomes a, sh a shit fit. 
Mm. pretty much, because people don't understand what is happening. Mm. Mm. But I think it's also really good that you said that because it's not. I think a lot of people have this mistaken thought that any any um, argument, any disagreement is is bad and should be yeah. avoided. And yeah. there's, yeah. I, I personally have seen people call it drama, and they're like, "We need to avoid oh. drama and just get on with what we're yeah. here to do." Yeah. And it's such a, a negative view to have. Like, mm. it doesn't seem like it. Like they they make it sound like a positive. You know, mm. everyone just think happy thoughts, good vibes only, get yeah. along, blah blah blah. But that type of attitude is it's such a blinkered view and it's just ignoring all these other issues and just letting them fester and boil over. And it, in the long run, it's, I, I think it's a lot more detrimental. I think so it I, also exactly. is. A, know, oh, sorry, darling. Oh, <laughs> let me just say quickly. I also think that can be a way that actually shuts down really healthy discussion. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I think um, political and ideological discussion, philosoph- philosophical discussion can get, quote unquote heated because mm. people are so passionate. Yeah. But also these things can be so constructive in terms of learning and exactly. expanding and developing. It is yeah. how you and I think at yeah. the core we should all be committed to decolonizing our thinking, you know, yep. looking at internal um, bias and prejudice that we're not even really aware that we have in a yep. you know heteronormative patriarchal you know, effed up society, right? Mm. We still have this real, um, the, the politics of politeness. Yeah, you know, This idea yeah. that, you know, we a very, very colonial idea that, you know, we're going to go through life and we're not going to have any conflict with anybody because it's not polite to raise your voice, to say yeah. fuck, to, to stand up for yourself. It's not polite to make a comment online without a smiley face emoji or a love yeah. heart, you know. You've got to be so, you know, so overtly, um, sickly sweet almost in the way that you communicate in the public space that if you just make a comment online that doesn't have any emoji to contextualise it or to t- let the person <laughs> yeah. know that you know, you're not having a go at them suddenly you are the worst person on earth mm, <laughs> like, mm. and I experienced that just recently where you know someone was having a go at me on one of my posts and I you know said my case I, and as a woman I was assertive and I got you know told that I was being aggressive and defensive and mm. I mean I unfriended this person because it's like, no, you're not commenting here because you actually give a damn about what I'm saying. It's just mm. because you want to, you know, um, stir up shit. Um, I then got accused of being, you know, immature and blocking and blah, blah, blah and all this sort of stuff simply because I hadn't been um, passive and fawning in my my need to communicate with this particular person. Mm. Um, and especially as a woman, you can't do that as a woman. Yeah, good point. Yeah, it's um. I was going to say what can be a good way to look at it as well is to to make sure that people come ac- or that we encourage people to come from a place that um no one is perfect and no one knows yeah. everything, yeah. and that when we're having these disagreements or when there is disagreements or criticism or raising voices or it's because people are are, are trying to articulate where they're at but Mm -hmm. also find out where other people are at and learn, like as you said before, and that as long as that's done in a respectful way, because there is definitely a respectful way to do it and there's Mm -hmm. definitely ways where you can cross the line and you Mm -hmm. can just be trying to belittle the other person Mm -hmm. or trying to, yeah, like just take it way too far. These are things that I guess it doesn't really get talked about very much. This is maybe like how to interact or how to engage with with within our own 
communities. Like yeah. people don't really talk about yeah. that. They talk about engaging with people who you're trying to convert or influence or people or the public or the police or whoever you might have to deal with or even pol- politicians, but people don't often talk about how do we engage with each other yes. in a yes. productive, mm. you know, positive way that's going to, you know, it doesn't have to be complete happy agreement all the time. It just mm. has to yep. be done in a way that's going to, to, to lead to constructive outcomes. Mm. Mm. Exactly. You know, it, it's that real idea of, you know, we've got to start taking this stuff offline. Um, you know, the, the social media is so powerful and so so beneficial in so many ways. But if we're hashing out all of our stuff online, there's no nuance. There's no mm-hmm. there's no face to face connection. There's no seeing each other's humanity. It just becomes a, a slugfest. It needs to be taken offline. Mm-hmm. I think organisations in particular um, need to make sure they have somebody who is trained in conflict resolution Mm. um, so that when this does arise within their own organisation, they can sit down and talk face-to-face with the aggrieved party and say, okay, what do you need from us? And can actually see their their trauma, but also their integrity and their their humanity. And then they can actually address issues within the organisation in a way that isn't going to lead to massive, massive harm to people... um, and yet, you know, social media just inflames situations so, so badly. Mm. You know, you're only one screenshot away from being cancelled. And yeah. let's, let's face it, you know, yeah. one screenshot's all it takes. Mm. All it takes. And um, I was just thinking the other thing we wanted to quickly discuss before we go into the full, more in-depth segment is what you've been up to, Christy, recently since we last spoke. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so I've been in Nam. Um, well, I was from... Friday um, 7th until Friday just gone mm. and I spoke at the Dominion March um, on the Saturday and then throughout the week did some, you know, basically some training and networking and, and meeting up with people and having face-to-face conversations with so many amazing people and talking about a lot of these issues but also watching um, the Farm Transparency Project group, um, how they organise um, which you know was really really um, educational for me personally, um, and then went into the Benalla Abattoir as part of the um, the lockdown, um, which was really really traumatic um, for a number of reasons. One, just being surrounded by so many animals mm. who were going to be slaughtered mm. um, in such a horrific way, and we've all seen just what happens with those. Um, uh, those places, but also because I was subjected to some pretty brutal treatment by police, um, which oh. maybe naively I didn't expect. Um, and yeah, so I'm pretty bruised and battered, but I'm also very uplifted. Oh wow! Because there was there's a couple of things that have happened as a result of that action. One is a communal space where people were so loving and so supportive once they found out what happened to me at the hands of police. But also what we've managed or what FTP have managed to do in reaching parts of the community that you would never expect. Um, There have been a number of comments made by people involved in animal exploitation who have said, I don't like activists, but I agree with what they've said here and what they've Mm. done. Yeah. So there's been a community within animal rights built and then connections built outside of in the 
the least likely spaces. So, yeah, mm. it, it's been a huge seven days. I feel like I've lived a lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit, Christy, about your um, speech at the um, Dominion anniversary event, which was an incredible event um, organised by Farm Transparency Project, specifically Harley, our co-host. And the speeches were all incredible from, you know, some of the investigators in the beginning talking about the things that they've witnessed and experienced and we obviously, um, you know, relive a lot. Um, to your good self, um, there's yep. Georgie Purcell, Emma Harkinson, you know, Harley, uh, Christelle Force. There were just so many um, really powerful speeches, which p- listeners can follow up. We'll share a link because Nick had actually um, captured those. So that, that's mm, available for yeah. people, anyone who wasn't actually there or would like to hear them again. But would you like to talk a bit about your speech, Christy? Yeah, Um well, I think when people see the video of it, it's it's fairly self-explanatory. Um, I, I swore a fair bit, which was not intended. Um, the speech I came out with was a bit different to the one I originally wrote, but it, that's kind of how I work as a speaker. I'll have a, a basic structure written down and then I'll just go with the flow. But um, one of the things that really, um, you know, drove home for me a need for some explicit statements was... You know, talking to friends from over you know the past few weeks since the Posey Parker incidents, mm. and seeing how harmed the trans community was, and the deliberately marginalised communities were by by this white supremacist transphobe um, roaming around you know our streets essentially, mm. and I realised that in part of my speech I was I was talking a lot about community building. You know that we're up against this animal industrial complex that is so vast and yeah. so far-reaching that we need strong, staunch solidarity amongst community to be able to take it down. Mm. But that if anybody within our community is jeopardised by individuals who espouse transphobia, racism, misogyny, ableism, classism, then the solidarity falls apart and we cannot work effectively and safely. Mm. And so it just sort of bubbled and welled up in me over there a couple of weeks prior to the march and it just came out Mm. talking about how diverse our community is yeah how diverse it is you know we are and as i said and people i hope will will see you know collectively as a movement we are trans we are gay we are women we are poor we are indigenous we are black we can't you know we're disabled we're neurodivergent we come from so many different backgrounds and then there are these people who are being um, not just included in the movement, but upheld and put on pedestals in the movement yeah. who are transphobic, who yeah. are racist and ableist, who are mm. espousing ideologies that endanger the people standing next to us, yeah. who yeah. endanger us. How are we supposed to work for the animals if we cannot look at the person we're locked onto and say, that is a safe person for me to be exposed to? Mm-hmm. You know, how can we say that person isn't going to allow their their bigotry against me or someone else? Um, how how do we know that that's not going to lead them to throwing you under the bus or blagging you to the cops? Or yeah. there's there's no trust where there is that danger. Mm. And so that was that was what I was trying to get across to people that 
you know, we can't be safe as a community if we're not protecting ourselves mm. when we are facing such extreme escalation from police, which yeah. then transpired. I was, you know, subjected to full force later that week, um, as if to prove a point, quite ironically and painfully. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it was so, so powerful, Christy, you know, being there in person and hearing all of that. And, you know, I think if we don't appreciate the fact that we really are diverse, we actually miss one of our core strengths. Like we can be so much stronger because we are diverse Mm. and bring that varied lived experience to, yeah, you know, collective liberation work. Mm. Yeah. And that's the thing that a lot of the right-wing vegans don't understand. They see difference as division. They see difference as categorisation that separates us. It's, it's yeah. not. It is anything but. The only people who view difference as categorisation are the right-wingers mm. who do want to divide up the community into these you know, subsections and then target what they perceive to be the weakest point and take them down and then take the next one and the next one. Yeah. You know, but they don't understand leftist politics where uh, it's not perfect, but it is our difference that unites us. Yeah. Mm. We're going to take a quick Amazing. break. <laughs> we'll have a song break. Um, this first song is by a First Nations group called Titus uh, from the 90s. This is a song called Anthem. Don't sing me an anthem because you don't know the words. Words are hard to remember. When they mean nothing at all To the hearts who still waiting For their voice to be heard Don't sing me your anthem When your anthem's absurd
From Iran to the Americas, the Pacific to Palestine, and here in so-called Australia, people are standing up for freedom and liberation. This May Day at Melbourne State Library, join the Voice of Revolution Iran Melbourne, the Black People's Union, renegade activists, unionists, and people from all over the world as we stand together in understanding that we are all in this together. A lineup of speakers and music from around the world demanding justice and celebrating our common struggles and our common humanity will be announced on the event page soon. You can find the event by searching May Day for Freedom and Liberation on Facebook. May Day for Freedom and Liberation, 5.30pm, Monday 1st of May at State Library, Victoria. A 3CR community radio supporter. Things need topping up every now and then. Monty, auntie. Thanks, bub. Including your COVID protection. If you're an adult and it's been six months since you caught COVID or had a COVID jab, you can now top up with a free COVID-19 booster. It helps keep you and your mob protected from serious illness from COVID-19. So talk to your doctor or health worker about a free COVID-19 booster or visit health.gov.au forward slash top up to find out more. Authorised by the Australian Government, Canberra. A 3CR supporter. Welcome back to Freedom of Species, the radio show that brings advocacy to the airwaves on 3CR. That was Titus with Anthem just before that break as the song. And we hopefully still have Christy on the line with us. Are you there? Uh, I think I am, yes. Yes, you are. Fantastic. Excellent. 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 So we thought we would move into sort of a bit more of a discussion now about, you know, some of the ways that we might look to... um, create common ground and yeah. if you have thoughts on that Christy, big question I know <laughs> It is a huge question I think first and foremost we have to understand that criticism isn't conflict mm. Okay, so somebody coming to you who you have an established relationship with or you know somebody who you know who you know, follows your work and goes, hey, have you considered X, Y, and Z? And you're going, oh, okay, no, I didn't think of it from that perspective. Or, you know, you can have that, that discussion. Um, I think for an example, I put a post up about um, the, the action on Thursday and I referenced the paddy wagon and an Irish friend said, uh, uh, you know, messaged me and said, oh, do you realise just how problematic a term that is? Because it was used specifically about the Irish um during oh, you know, the, the occupation, yeah. um, you know, so so that was one of those moments where I could have gone, yeah. yeah, but it's now just become a colloquialism. Like who cares? But it was actually like someone was saying, this is part of my historical trauma. You know, yes. Could you could you not refer to it? It's like okay, done, not a problem. Yeah. yeah. And then there's criticisms that might be a little bit more, you know, um, I don't know, a little bit harsher. You know, where somebody says you actually have said or done something that is directly harmful to me. Mm-hmm. And one of the problems is that I think social media in particular, but just life in general, conversations are where we react, we don't respond. Yeah. So we don't give ourselves that time to just stop and think, listen to what's being said and going, okay, so this is how it felt for you, this is how it felt for me, can we find that that mutual moment and work through that together. Instead, mm. it, it becomes we, we listen to the key points of what are being said to us and go, yeah, but, mm. yeah, yeah, mm. but, but, but what about? Um, and then the, it goes even further still where people go, 
you know, you, you offer a criticism and or you offer up something about your trauma, for example, like, you know, this person um, did this, it, it has traumatized me in this way and you get told it's just drama and you're really mm. invalidated and so then you start to, to, you know, arc up because what else can you do mm. when you've been so, so resoundingly um, invalidated? So I think one of the, the fundamental things that we need to do is stop, just stop for the love of God. Give yourself a moment when you receive criticism or when you're about to give it. Stop and think mm. and read through or think through what you're about to say or how you're about to respond so that we don't end up with these conversations becoming nothing more than um, interpersonal slag fests. Mm. Very good point. I think I that think, like yeah, that second example that you mentioned seems to be the most common that I see happening, which is when, um, but it, it might not, it'd be maybe a, a variation. So you were talking about how someone would raise and say, look, something you've done or something you've said has actually, you know, really affected me as a person because I feel prejudiced against because of that, or this is part of, you know, an injustice towards this part of my identity. I, I think more often that's done, well, this is just from what I've seen, I'm not saying that it always is, but it seems to be maybe done a bit more in like a third person way. Like someone might say, hey, that's what you've said is actually really harmful to X group of people. Um, yes. Because it, I think especially in social media um, and it, or in groups where people aren't as close or maybe don't know each other as personally really well, that's a softer way to approach it rather than exposing yourself as being the person who was directly felt feeling harm or feeling attacked or threatened yeah. by what was said um so i just wanted to mention that so that if mm. i don't want people to think that it has to be because because often people think oh well if you're not the person that i'm harming then i'll just wait until i hear from the people directly who i'm supposedly harming and then no. i'll then i'll talk about no. it but yeah. that's putting undue pressure on those people to have to speak up i think yep. often it is their friends and family or just other people who see that you know what, this is not okay. Like I can yeah. see this pattern and what this pattern means is that people who are trans or people who are, you know, not white presenting are going to be, you know, feeling unwelcome when you say exactly. this sort of thing. And and that just because someone says that, even if they're not trans or even if they're not black or even whatever, like you, you should be taking that seriously mm. and, and before you respond at least anyway and having a think about what was said um, or what was done or, or, or what the merit in that criticism is. Mm-hmm. And I think also, as you're saying, Christy, taking a moment, reflecting, taking a pause and, you know, not invalidating a different yeah. view. Mm. I do recall there was an action that was being promoted heavily on social media where um, participants had taped over their mouths. And mm. I have to say, personally, I found that really triggering. And I think mm. I had commented um, about that. I don't know if it was online, but but certainly to other people about what that brought up for me in terms of sexual assault mm. for me and for other people that I know. And <laughs> the response was kind of get over it. Um, yeah. It's just about, you know, people being silenced. And I'm like, mm, okay, well, yes, I do feel completely invalidated now. I might just go over yeah. here and, you know, not engage with this any longer, right? Yeah, yeah completely like, you know, I'm I'm not a, a fan of actions that have that sort of overt violence against um, human bodies. Mm. I mean, we're surrounded by enough violence towards human and animal bodies mm. as it is. I don't know how useful it is 
in, you know, public protest. Mm. Um, especially when people who, especially when the majority of activists on the street are women. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's just acknowledge that. Um, and considering how many of us have a shared experience of, of abuse and assault, like, mm. you know, um, but also because if we're supposed to be this, this movement that is standing up against violence and against being silenced by the state and by the system, Surely, you know, drawing on those sorts of that that sort of imagery, it, it kind of contradicts what we're trying to do. Yeah, you know, shouldn't we actually be trying to be as loud as possible and non-violent as possible, where applicable? Because of course, non-violence is a privilege for most communities. Um, but you know, this idea that you would tape your face up, or there was the, the gallows <coughs> one from years ago. I think it was a climate action where they had people standing on ice blocks blocks um, with a faux oh. gallows set up over them and the whole oh, thing was, right. you know, as the earth warms, the, you know, the oceans are going to melt and we're all going to die. And it was like, can you imagine being, you know, a, a refugee from a, yeah. a country with political violence where hanging is used as a political violence and, and coming across that in the street? Mm. And I'm, Yeah, and it, just, it is very triggering for a lot of people um, and I'm not sure it actually... I don't know. I'm not sure how useful it is. I think, yeah. Yeah. And then when people do raise the question of how useful it is or how appropriate it is, being told, get back in your box. So, all right, okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I, that's fantastic points. And an extension of that, really, I don't know that violent imagery and oppressive language is constructive. So I guess the question for me is, are we actually trying to further um, share information about speciesism and, you know, um, animal um, liberation? Or are we really just talking amongst ourselves in our little vegan bubble? Okay, Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I don't know how constructive that is. I don't know that that appeals to anybody outside of that bubble. It's that real catch-22 because what happens to animals does need to be shown to the world. It needs to be documented. Yeah. But because actual analytical thought is so restricted in the ways that we communicate, instead of going, okay, so we have this issue here about what's being done to pigs, for example. Mm. And so the entire um, FTP um, ban gas chambers campaign has been about showing how the system is designed to fail. You know, so you know, first they went to the industry, then they went to the government, then they went to, you know, all these steps and then they wouldn't listen. None of these um, steps in the system actually listened, so they went straight to the site of the violence. And so that's where exposing quite graphically the violence that's perpetrated against the pigs really helps. Yeah. But then you've got people who are taking that footage and taking what we did in that action and spinning it into their own uh, message, which I think is quite disrespectful not only to the animals but to the, the organisers and the investigators. Yeah. Um, and, you know, spinning their whole new, their lens on it, um, you know, because it gets them likes and them views, even though they've never been involved in it in any way throughout the process. And it's only just now that it's getting the, the social media attention and the... 
the public media attention that you know they're jumping onto it mm. um, to give themselves currency. Mm-hmm. And so I think when we're um, showing what happens, what is perpetrated against, because it doesn't just happen, it doesn't happen organically, it is perpetrated, it's a deliberate act. Mm. When we show these deliberate acts, we have to be very careful about what message we are actually sending with it. Is it just a matter of, I've put up this photo of a pig who has been eviscerated or has been brutalised or has been gassed or what have you, and am I saying, this is all about my trauma in seeing that? Or am I putting that up to say, they were someone, can you see them, this is the reality of the system. You know, mm-hmm. are, are you doing it for clout or are you doing it to actually convey a message? And I think the very fact that you know so many farmers have actually come forward and said that they agree yes. with the campaign shows that that particular campaign has stepped outside the echo chamber and Definitely. is now resonating across uh, the community outside mm-hmm. of vegans and outside of animal rights. Whereas the the... You know, the, the influencers who have jumped on board and started writing their own messaging, they're still inside their echo chamber. They're not reaching anyone except, mm. you know, patting themselves on the back and being self-congratulatory for, for doing shit all. Yeah. Mm. And I think just in case it helps people put two and two together, like that big example that you just described, I see use shorthand as a term called centering themselves. So activists that center themselves in their activism rather than yep. centering the issue and, mm-hmm. and putting themselves as the focus, um, yep. which might not be the literal focus. They might not be the actual literal focus of every single photo of every single word that comes out of their mouth or every single text that's t- typed, but mm-hmm. it's that they in general are the focus of what they're trying to do with their messaging. It's about yeah, it's, them rather than the issue. Mm. Yeah, that filming yourself in front of, you know, uh, the pigs as opposed to, you know, maybe trying to express a shared moment mm. or, mm-hmm. you know, like the post I put up um, regarding my experiences with police was, was about finding a communal moment, a shared moment with this individual pig who I met and trying to communicate that this commonality of experience where my privilege let me walk away and their lack of privilege in the society condemned them. Mm. So, you know, you can try and find that commonality of experience, but you're not going to find that if you're holding your camera in front of yourself doing a live stream about how amazing you are for being there. Um, or how brave you are or how much it's affecting yeah. you, you know, what how, what your feelings are in that moment or that sort of thing. Mm. And then using, yeah. you know, deli- deliberately inflammatory language to try and make yourself seem badass. And, you know, I'm wearing my black hoodie and I'm being inflammatory and look at me, I'm all like this. And you're just sitting there going... You're sitting at home on a couch, um, quite comfortable. You weren't there. You weren't involved in it in any way, shape or form. Shush. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just shush. I think we should have another song break. Yeah. But we'll be back Sounds very good. soon to continue this part of the discussion. Um, this is a local vegan musician. Her name is Steph Bitter, and this song is called The Straw.
Solidarity Salon, home of Radical Women and Freedom Socialist Party, has moved to Reservoir. We are a socialist, feminist bookshop and organising centre eager to collaborate with a diversity of optimistic rebels. All gender identities welcome. We're at 113 Spring Street Reservoir, near Regent Station. 
drop in or get contact details at socialism.com. Solidarity Salon is a proud 3CR supporter. I've had a few jobs over the years. None I've really loved. A mate suggested I use my skills to teach. Turns out I only needed to study for under two years. Now I'm in demand in a secure career I love. Come on, kids, gather round. Are you ready? Fast track your study and start teaching sooner with an accelerated learning program. Visit vic.gov.au forward slash teach the future. Authorised by the Victorian Government, Melbourne. Thank you. A 3CR supporter. Welcome back to Freedom of Species. Before the break, that was The Straw by Steph Bitter. And it's myself, Trevor, Carolyn, and Mm -hmm. on the phone is Christy. I hope you're still there, Christy. Hello, hello. Phew. Great. (laughs) (laughs) It's nice when it all works, isn't it? (laughs) But um, so for this last segment, we've got not too long uh, before we have to finish up, but we wanted to focus on maybe some practical applications Mm. or just... um, you know, advice for practical situations that activists and advocates might begin to take in, you know, to, to really take on board and implement things that we're discussing yeah. and things that yeah. we've been talking about. So, um, uh, th- yes, you left the hard stuff to the last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can talk theory for hours, but, you know, the hard stuff is like, oh, okay. <laughs> But I think we've, we've been alluding to it along the way. We've yeah. been trying to give people sort of examples and things. But, um, yeah, Christy, what would you think is, um, like in, in spaces that you've been in, what do you think is maybe one thing that would really help people incorporate these ideas better in those activist spaces? I think there's, a, a, there's actually one big thing that I think everybody needs to do. It's let go of your idols. This is where a lot mm-hmm. of conflict begins. It's mm. stop hero-worshipping. You know, just because you like the way somebody does activism or the way they present themselves or the way they write or what have you, they're fallible. We are all fallible. Mm. But if you idolise someone, especially, you know, influences in the social media space, which is just, ugh, it's so, so pervasive, you're idolising someone, you actually become their their cheer squad, their cult following, their... Yeah, and any you know criticism of them becomes an attack on you personally. Mm. Um, so stop bloody idolising people, because yeah. we're all human, and some humans mm. are shit, and yeah. some are sometimes shit. You know, <laughs> like mm. um, understand that not everybody is is going to be this this infallible leader. And that where they fall down, you've got to actually ha- take the time to go, okay, is it because they actually do have bad intentions or is it because they've just made a mistake? Mm-hmm. But you can't analyse that if you're looking up to somebody on a pedestal because you can't see the nuances in their personalities or, or anything mm. like that. If you view someone as a human being, you're going to be able to assess things far better. So just stop the, the idol worshipping because it's, core of so much conflict and can mm. i ask the really difficult question but just because you know if there's people listening what's the difference and how do you draw that line between you know congratulating someone encouraging someone you think that everything they say is fantastic and they're 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 a great advocate how do you draw that line between just doing that and admiring someone versus it becoming that you know just blind worship or idolizing and being their 
cheer squad that makes them infallible in the eyes of other people? Well, for my mind, going back to that lunch that I was referring um, to in, in Nam that I had with, with some amazing leftist people, you know, there were people there who we all would just be like, oh, my God, like, you're amazing and stuff. But we were still all arguing. Mm. And that was the thing. Like, you know, it didn't matter how much time we've spent online saying to one another, you're amazing. No, you're amazing. No, you're more amazing than me. In that, that space of conversation, we argued. Mm. You know, mm. understanding that argument is healthy yeah. if it mm. is done in the right community spirit. Um, you know, none of us went away from that lunch feeling stressed or upset or isolated. Um, I think we all felt a lot closer as a result yes. of being able to go, no, actually, I completely disagree with what you're saying, and here is why. Mm. So that's where it becomes the difference between like community support and admiration and just pure, unadulted adulation for someone. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a really good barometer that people could use, actually, is would you feel comfortable challenging this person? About anything. Yeah, and if you exactly. don't think you'd feel comfortable challenging that person, that means maybe you've put them on a pedestal and maybe you're yep. sort of idolizing them. Because if you don't feel like if you were in person just talking with them, that you'd feel comfortable going, hang on, no, I don't agree with what you just said. Or actually, that, that's really you know, shit that you said that. Then that's a sign that you're maybe, you know, not through your own fault. It's not, no one's... We're not saying that you're a bad person for idolizing people. Like it's natural for that to sometimes happen, but just to be able to recognize it, maybe that's a good Mm -hmm. way to recognize it is, would you feel comfortable challenging that person? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, you know, would you feel comfortable challenging them in a public space based Mm. on the knowledge that you're not going to be, you know, subject to a pile on? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like what sort of following does this person have? Is it the sort of following where they're prepared to have a heated but healthy argument with you? Or is it the mm. sort of following where they're going to just eviscerate you and get personal and nasty and isolationist? And call in the reinforcements. And call in the reinforcements, you know, share to their little message group saying, hey, this mm. person said this, and suddenly, woof, you've got 25 people calling you an ass hat. Mm. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's a, great, that's a great advice. It's a good practical advice, I think. Yeah. Yeah. What's but that, I mean, Carol? You're saying, I, sorry, I'm, I'm trying oh, to lip read, Carolyn. We're oh, doing we're doing some little radio. I, I, I'm really conscious thing. we're running out of time, so <laughs> let, let's try and think of some more practical ideas. I know Trevor, you were going to say something earlier about no, minimum no. standards. Oh yeah, so um, that's one practical thing that I've seen that I think works is being explicit in organisations or just in groups of people, even just friends, and just saying mm. these are the minimum standards and this is you know what we won't tolerate and yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, in terms of, you know, language use. So, um, and, and people can sometimes draw their different lines. Like, I, I think that, you know, we should be looking to the activists and advocates of each individual issue or that spend most of their time on a particular issue and really learning and taking their lead on what is okay and what's not okay rather than making our own judgment on that. Yeah. But mm-hmm. either way, having, having that conversation up front and saying, yeah. okay, we are, you know, it's not okay to misgender someone. And if yeah. someone does that, yeah. it's not going to be just turn a blind eye. It means you're no longer welcome in this space until you can come yeah. back and say, I'm sorry for doing that. I won't do it again. And I understand why that's a problem. Yeah. And until that happens, and it's not cancelling someone to say you're not welcome in the space because of what you're doing. That's minimising harm. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's saying that's you are welcome. Every, exactly. It's like everyone's welcome as long as you're you know, adhering to these minimum standards to make other people feel welcome. And as soon as you're doing something that means that other people aren't going to be welcome, 
then you're not welcome. Yeah. And and but but you will be welcome once you've done that work. And it's not saying that you're you know barred for life. You, if if you refuse to engage and listen and talk, then then maybe that will be. Mm. And unfortunately, some people might never you know, want to listen and engage more. But yep. for, for everyone that does, and I, I like to believe that everyone will, especially people mm. who are advocates and activists, because you don't get to that point unless you've at least been open-minded about one or two issues. Yeah. Um, just to be open-minded and think, why was that something that they've got a no tolerance for? And what do I yeah. need to learn about it? And what do I need to, you know, self-criticize and, and think about what I'm doing? Yeah. Exactly, and you know, organisations being prepared to have sit down face to face meetings with people is such a, a critical part of that. You know, mm. being mm. able to sit down with someone and saying, "Okay, like, I think all of us have misgendered somebody at some point accidentally," and you know, it's how you you go from there. You you know, do you apologise and make make it about the person that you've hurt? Apologise, make the reparation, do the work, don't do it again, yeah. or do you double down, weaponise it? Do you? Um, you know, use misgendering as a way to deliberately harm people and then to say, but I wasn't talking about that person, I was talking about this person who, who is a bad person and you're just trying to apologise or be an apologist for their behaviour because they're trans and then all this nonsense um, that happens from there. You know, if people are weaponising misgendering, they should not be welcome in areas like where people are vulnerable to that. So yeah. Not, you know, and there shouldn't be a oh, but they've done so much, or oh, but they're such a nice person. No, full stop, boom. Unless no. you do the work, you don't come back in. And that's it. And it's unless you do the work. It's not a cancel. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. a It's a protecting the, the space, and, and everyone's welcome back again once they're going to be keeping on board with that protecting of the space. Yeah. It's yep. not about just you're now blacklisted for good. It's no, yeah. you need to learn how to keep this space a safe space and to keep it protected Yeah. so that everyone can come back. And I think that that's a really um, important uh, point to all of this, you know, having a doorway back in for people because Mm. it's it's about progress, not perfection. Definitely. I think we say that a lot and having that doorway back in for people who can say I've done the work, who can show that they've done it, who can actively make reparations to the people or the person that they've harmed and then listening to that person um, who was aggrieved and Mm. saying are you comfortable with this? You know, Definitely. the doorway is open to the people who, who do the work, but if the aggrieved person still does not feel safe, then maybe the door should be half shut. Yeah. Mm. Maybe it should just be kept ajar a little bit whilst, you know, there's more conflict resolution undertaken. And that's a really important thing. Like, the these organisations, especially the big ones, have so, so many people popping up and, and wanting to be involved. Mm. Um, that might not overtly have been involved in anything particularly harmful, but were documented, you know, maybe at a, I don't know, one of the the anti-lockdown, anti-vaccine movement mm, rallies yeah. or something, who have never acknowledged that they, they, they were there, who have never acknowledged that they stood alongside some incredibly dangerous people yeah. um, and have never apologised for it, but mm. still, you know, because they weren't, you know, publishing it all over social media, the door is open for them to come back in. Yeah. yeah, these organisations need to be listening to people who are maybe on the ground in leftist circles, anti-fascist circles, and actually listening and going, okay, so you did evidence this person there, mm-hmm. and they haven't shown that they have, you know, acknowledged that they did something there that was harmful. Hundred yeah, um, yeah. percent. 
I, I think in terms of listening, you know, we really need to be listening with the intent to understand and not just reply with our yes. own perspective again. Mm. You know, we have so much that we can learn from each other. Yeah. You know, we've talked about our differences are actually our strength. And I'd really like to say, again, you know, it takes absolutely nothing away from animal rights advocacy to recognise other forms of oppression. Mm. And yeah. I don't know what it's like to walk in the next person's shoes and therefore, you know, I should be open to that discussion and them challenging my ideas. And I love that because yeah. that's how we learn. We've got to, you know, unlearn all of the garbage that we've been taught in this, you know, patriarchal and often very screwed up world. Right. Exactly. That's all the time we have for. I'm going to be really mean and just wrap it up ultra quick. Thank you, Christy. Thank you, Carolyn. Thanks so much, Christy. Thanks, Trev. We'll be back next week. Freedom of Species is 1 p.m. on Sundays. Next week is going to be Georgie Purcell. Purcell from AJP. Yep. And this last song is Fuel to Fire by Agnes O'Bell. Bye. Bye.
Listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.